Well, today's the big day. <laughs> Groundhog Day, right? Right, right, yeah. Um, ever since I've been here, I have been wanting to preach a sermon on Groundhog Day. And since today is Groundhog Day, I'm going to take this Sunday away from the story at, to do this. Now, and I did this because I figure if I wait until Groundhog Day falls on a Sunday again, I may be dead by then. So, so we're going to do this today. Now, next week, we're going to do the next chapter in the story, so stay on schedule. Chapter 17 is next week. And today I want to talk about time and our view of time. And there's two words, at least two words for time in the Greek language. One is chronos, which I'm going to call clock time, from which we get chronology, minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years. That's normally how we think of time. It also implies the daily routines of time. You get up, go to work, and come home, go to bed, get up. Just the daily cycles, the repetitions of life. Sun comes up, goes down, comes up, goes down, seasons come and go. That's chronos, just time. Kairos, I'm going to call significant time. These are key events in time. The Bible uses a word in Romans 5, 6 where it says at just the right time, the right kairos, Christ came. Romans 9, 9, at the appointed time, he will return. Again, kairos. So there's moments in time that are significant and distinctive. And although we don't have different words in English for time, we all know the difference between everyday time when we follow our routines and then special times like birthdays or anniversaries or the Super Bowl. There are significant moments in time. Time is not just meaningless repetition of events. And this idea of kairos plays a major role in the New Testament. Christ is the one who ushers in a new time Salvation moves believers off the treadmill of just chronos and gives significance to time. Time is also going somewhere. There's a destination. It doesn't just go on endlessly or purposely. And I'm going to contend that many people today live as if chronos is all there is. There's an overall attitude that life just goes on and on. There's no appointed time to come, no special day when Jesus will return. We're all just kind of stuck on this treadmill, and what I do really doesn't make that big a difference. A thousand years from now, what will it matter if I went to church today or not? Time is meaningless. I should live for the moment, just live for today. You only go around once in life, so grab for all you can get. That's chronos. Well, Paul addresses this in Galatians 6, 7 through 10. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, there's kairos, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, there's kairos again, by the way, opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul says... We can either sow to the sinful nature or the flesh or sow to the spirit. And he's saying, make the most of your chronos time by making it kairos time. Make something good out of your time, something significant. The word kairos carries the idea of opportunity. Time's an opportunity to do good and make a difference. But it also carries the idea of danger. And the Galatians were in danger of going back to their sinful nature, sowing to the flesh. And Paul reminds them that there's a pointed Kairos is coming, appointed time when we'll all have to give an account and you will reap what you sow. What you do with your time is significant. God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. The Galatians were inclined to believe that their self-centered lifestyle would have no effect on their future, just like the culture around us. Just live for today. 
And we need to be reminded, like the Galatians, that there is more to time than just our daily routines. There's something beyond life and beyond this chronos. Well, in the movie Groundhog Day, Phil Connors, played by Bill Murray, and he'll be a very young-looking Bill Murray when you see him, is a weatherman in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and for the fourth year in a row, he receives an assignment to go to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, for the country's oldest Groundhog Day festival to film the, the emergence of the groundhog, whose name is also Phil, by the way. And while there, something very strange happens to Phil Connors. He gets stuck in time. And he stays overnight in Punxsutawney. His alarm goes off at 6 a.m. to the music of Sonny and Cher singing, I Got You, Babe. It's one reason I love this movie. He gets up, goes to the middle of town and covers the big event. And the groundhog comes out. And they're playing polka music, another reason I love this uh, movie. And so he goes to this big festival. And then at night, he comes back to his room, assuming he'll go to Pittsburgh in the morning. But the next day, he wakes up, and it's the same day. Groundhog Day all over again. The alarm goes off at 6. Again, Sonny and Cher sing, I got you, babe. He encounters the same people. And once again, there's a celebration in the middle of town, just deja vu all over. Over and over and over. Repeats the same day. And Ellen and I were watching this movie, and I asked her, if you were to pick one day to live over and over and over, what day would you pick? And she chose wisely. Said, our wedding day, of course, you know. What day would you pick to live over and over? Phil is stuck in Punxsutawney, and he hates it. At one time, he asked, why this day? He's stuck in time, and there's no tomorrow. And it's kind of like the movie is saying, this yearly celebration of Groundhog Day is symbolic of life. Life is just cyclical. It just keeps repeating itself. There really is no ultimate tomorrow, no kairos time, no significant time. And in one sense, that is true. Life is cyclical. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be born, a time to die, time to plant, time to uproot. You know that song. And round and round, the seasons come and go. The clocks come round and round. We have our daily routines. And the problem is, if that's all there is, the conclusion of Ecclesiastes is it's meaningless. It doesn't matter what you do. You're born, you live, you die. We all go through it, and that's it. There's no point in time. There's no day of reckoning, no kairos, no real significance with our time. At one point in the movie, Phil asked a guy, what would you do if you were stuck in one place and every day was exactly the same and nothing you did mattered? And that guy said, well, that about sums it up for me. Stuck in one place every day, exactly the same, and nothing you did mattered. Same routines, nothing mattered. Is that life? Paul reminds the Galatians, you reap what you sow. And at the proper time, the proper kairos, you will receive a harvest. What you do with your time is significant. Time is more than just minutes, seconds, and years. So we're going to watch the first clip. Paul is, or Phil has realized that he's reliving the same day over and over. could go for some blackjacks right now. Let me ask you guys a question. Shoot. What if there were no tomorrow? No tomorrow. That would mean there would be no consequences. There would be no hangovers. We could do whatever we wanted. That's true. We could do whatever we want. Stop. Hang on. 
clean up your room, stand up straight, pick up your feet, take it like a man. Be nice to your sister. Don't mix beer and wine, ever. Oh, yeah. Don't drive on the railroad track. Phil, that's one I happen to agree with. Large fries, uh, two chocolate shakes, and one large Coke. And some flapjacks. Too early for flapjacks? Uh, okay, played the whole clip. <laughs> it's all right. He gets up the next morning and he says, Yes, because there's no consequences for what he did. Okay, what if there is no tomorrow? No consequences, no hangovers. We could do whatever we want. And Phil decides, I'm not going to live by their rules anymore. And he doesn't have to. He robs an armored car one day. He seduces a woman another day by promising to marry her. But he won't have to because tomorrow never comes. He punches out an annoying insurance guy. Do you know any annoying insurance guys? I don't. Um, he eats anything he wants. He doesn't have to worry about lung disease, cholesterol, love handles. He doesn't even have to floss. No consequences. He'll wake up tomorrow no matter what he does today. Life just goes on and on and there's no appointed time. No day of reckoning, just chronos, no kairos. So number one on your outline, if there's no tomorrow, we might as well sow to the sinful nature. We might as well live for today. That's why people mortgage their future financially so they can live for today. They want it now. That's why people pile up credit card debt. Got to have it today. Young people want to have what their parents have, and they want it now. Let me, let's eat and drink and be merry, because tomorrow may never come. Groundhog Day shows what happens when you believe there's no consequences to your actions, no day of reckoning. Phil Connors sows to the sinful nature and gets away with it. Life is meaningless. Now, because Phil lives the same day over and over, he gets to know everything about everyone. He knows what's going to happen because he's lived the same day over and over. And the next clip is another result of this view time. If this life is all there is, here's the second implication. I'm sorry, what was that again? I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. I don't think. Because you survived a car wreck? You folks ready to order? I didn't just survive a wreck. I wasn't just blown up yesterday. I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Oh, really? And every morning I wake up without a scratch on me, not a dent in the fender. I am an immortal. 
Special today is blueberry waffles. Why are you telling me this? Because I want you to believe in me. You're not a god. You can take my word for it. This is 12 years of Catholic school talking. I could come back if you're not ready. How do you know I'm not a god? <laughs> oh, please. How do you know? Because it's not possible. Doris. This is Doris. Her brother-in-law, Carl, owns this diner. She's worked here since she was 17. More than anything else in her life, she wants to see Paris before she dies. Oh, boy, what a... What are you doing? This is Debbie Kleiser and her fiance Fred. Do I know you? They're supposed to be getting married this afternoon, but Debbie is having second thoughts. What? Lovely ring. This is Bill. He's been a waiter for three years since he left Penn State and had to get work. He likes the town, he paints toy soldiers, and he's gay. I am. <laughs> this is Gus. He hates his life here. He wishes he stayed in the Navy. Well, I could have retired on half pay after 20 years. Excuse me? Is this some kind of trick? Well, maybe the real God uses tricks. You know, maybe he's not omnipotent. He's just been around for long. He knows everything. Oh, okay. Well, who's that? This is Tom. He worked in the coal mine until they closed it down. And her? It's Alice. Came over here from Ireland when she was a baby. She lived in Erie most of her life. He's right. And her? Nancy. She works in the dress shop and makes noises like a chipmunk when she gets real excited. Hey! It's true. How do you know these people? I told you. I know everything. In about five seconds, a waiter's going to drop a tray of dishes. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay? Okay, that's enough. What about me, Bill? Do you know me, too? I know all about you. You like producing, but you hope for more than Channel 9 Pittsburgh. Well, everyone knows that. You like boats, but not the ocean. You go to a lake in the summer with your family up in the mountains. There's a long wooden dock and a boathouse with boards missing from the roof. In a place you used to crawl underneath to be alone. You're a sucker for French poetry and rhinestones. You're very generous. You're kind to strangers and children. And when you stand in the snow, you look like an angel. How are you doing this? I told you, I wake up every day right here. Right in Punxsutawney. And it's always February 2nd. And there's nothing I can do about it. If there's no tomorrow, his second on your outline, we are gods. Bill's omnipotent. He's been around long enough. He knows everything about everyone. He's immortal. He never dies. But that's really not what makes him a god. What makes him a god, he has no one to answer to because there's no tomorrow and nothing beyond this world. We are gods if this life is all there is. We are the highest of beings. Now, the irony is Phil claims to be a god, and yet he says there's nothing he can do about it, so he's a weak god, plus he hates it. Being a god is not all it's cracked up to be, because we were not created to be gods. And yet that's exactly the core temptation for every one of us. Going back to Adam and Eve in the garden, we want to be gods. We want to be in control of our lives, even calling the shots and doing what we want to do. There's a lot of talk in our culture today about the god within and it's just the new age theology of the 80s and 90s that we are gods. Oprah made this quite popular. But Phil Connors, along with our culture, has been deceived. And as Paul says in Galatians, he thinks he can do whatever he wants and never reap the consequences and live as a god. 
But as the movie goes on, Phil finds out that living like a god and living selfishly gets old. He starts to despise himself and everything and everyone around him. If this life is all there is, and even though I think I can do whatever I want and live like a god, there's really no purpose. We humans make terrible gods. In fact, tell your neighbor, you're a terrible god. Yeah, you didn't convince him. Anyway, a lot of people have bought into this theology of God within. You know, listen to yourself. Listen to the God within. And even if we don't buy into that, we still want to control our lives. We want to call the shots and do what we want to do. We all want to be God. Even though he's a God of sorts, Phil still can't get everything he wants. He tries to seduce Rita day after day after day. He just doesn't have enough time. He only has 24 hours. And this is another dilemma of contemporary life. There's not enough time to do all that we want to do. So if there's no tomorrow, we live desperate lives. We got to do as much as we can while we can because there's not enough time. You only go around once in life. You got to grab for the gusto now. And there's never enough gusto and there's never enough time. So so we got to go as fast as we can. And we read this book about a thousand places you need to see before you die. And we get frantic because I've only seen 800 of them and my time's running out. And when Phil realizes he can't have it all, he gets frustrated. And that frustration leads to despair. Paul said, do not be deceived. If you sow to the sinful nature, you'll reap corruption. And Phil Connors reaps despair. He lives selfishly, doing whatever he wants, no consequences, and he ends up super depressed. In the next clip, Phil has been living selfishly over and over and over, and here's the result. Am I upsetting you, princess? You know, you want a prediction about the weather. You're asking the wrong Phil. I'll give you a winter prediction. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it's going to last you for the rest of your life. Once again, the eyes of the nation have turned here to this tiny village in western Pennsylvania. Blah, 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 blah. There is no way that this winter is ever going to end. As long as this groundhog keeps seeing his shadow, I don't see any other way out. He's got to be stopped. And I have to stop him. It's cold, it's gray, and it's going to last the rest of your life. Ecclesiastes says the same thing, meaningless, meaningless. It seems like it would be great to have no consequences, doesn't it? But what it also means is there's really no point to life, no kairos, no significance. There was a commercial on the radio a few years ago that said the weather forecast is for partly dull and boring conditions. Same routine, you come home after work, watch TV, go to bed, get up, go to work. Same routine over and over. For some excitement in life, come to Paradise Casino. Life is boring, same routine, just chronos. How are you going to spice it up? We'll start living selfishly. And that's exactly what Phil Connors does. Does it end his depression? Actually, it makes it worse. Does sowing to the sinful nature bring meaning to life? Phil tries that. He tries hedonism. But here's what he finds out. Number four, 
if there's no tomorrow, it leads to despair. Phil, in his despair, steals the car right after this scene. He steals the groundhog, and he drives over a cliff, killing both himself and the hog, hoping that it'll finally end the cycle and end it all, but he wakes up the morning at 6 a.m., So he electrocutes himself that day, but that doesn't work. He wakes up the next day. Then he jumps in front of a truck to kill himself. That doesn't work. He jumps off a building. That doesn't work. He wants to end it, but he can't. He's reincarnated several times. He dies, just keeps coming back again and again. Free to do what he wants, but he's miserable, trapped in time. He's free, but he's a slave. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature Rather, serve one another in love. We're free in Christ, but some of the Galatians had interpreted that to mean that they were free to do whatever they want. They could sow to the flesh, and they became sins, to slaves to sin. Just like Phil Connors. Paul said, you will reap destruction, and Phil reaps despair. Well, Phil eventually goes through a conversion of sorts. He had experienced sowing to the flesh, and that was a dead end. He thinks he's a god, and that leads to despair. So after realizing he's not a god and realizing he can't have it all and realizing that he's just sowing to the sinful nature, he makes a confession. And he confesses to Rita that he's a jerk. And it's the turning point in the movie and in his life. Now we all know that the first step to God is confession. A realization and confessing that I'm not God, I'm a sinner, I'm despicable and hopeless and a depraved sinner, grossly in need of help. And when Phil comes to the self-realization about his despicable state, he decides to change his ways. He starts serving others, as Paul commands the Galatians, you know, do not grow weary in doing good. He changes a tire for three older women. He saves a man from choking. He counsels a young lady who's getting cold feet about marriage. He helps another man with his back problem. He starts sowing to the spirit instead of the flesh and he reaps a reward his light life brightens up he starts seeing chronos time as a kairos opportunity to do something significant with his time hello welcome to our party bill i didn't know you could play like that oh i'm versatile it's that nice young man from the motor club Thank you again. It's nothing, ladies. He's the fastest Jack in Jefferson County. What was that all about? I really don't know. They've been hitting on me all night. There you are. I never thanked you properly for what you did for Buster. Well, he would have choked for sure. Well, he may have. He was trying to swallow a whole cow. (laughs) I owe you one, buddy. Hang on to him, dear. He's a real find. (laughs) What did you do today? Oh, same old, same old. Excuse me, Mr. Connors. Hey, Fred, how was the wedding? Well, I just wanted to thank you for making Debbie go through with it and everything. All I did was fan the flame of her passion for you, Fred. <laughs> you are the best. No, you are the best. Rita, this is Debbie and Fred Kleiser. Hi. Here you go, kids. Congratulations. What is this? No way. No way. WrestleMania! No way! Well, we're like going to be in Pittsburgh anyway. Thank you, Mr. Connors. You're a real pal. Oh, this is the best. <laughs> I don't understand. 
Uh, yeah, I guess not. How does everyone know you? I mean, you only come here once a year, and you, you seem like the most popular person in town. Excuse me? Yes. Dr. Connors? Yes. I want to thank Fixing Felix is back. Oh. He can even help around the house again. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Felix. <laughs> <laughs> Phil discovers WrestleMania. Yeah, that's my favorite line, Rick. Anyway, Phil discovers that generosity and service is more rewarding than self-centeredness. He decides to not sow to the sinful nature, but to do good to everyone. Now, this obviously is not a Christian movie, and there are two major differences between the movie and Paul's message to the Galatians. Number one, Phil changes his own life. And the truth is, none of us can fully change our lives. That comes only through the power of the Holy Spirit and God working in us, we are by nature self-centered sinners, and only God's power can transform and, cha and change that. The second major difference is for Phil, his reward was immediate and in this life. And we all know that there is reward in serving, but we also know that even the most noble servant of good will be frustrated and get weary and disappointed at times. And for Paul, the reward is yet to come beyond time, beyond anything that we could imagine. Do not be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. When Phil Connor sows to the flesh, he reaps despair and destruction. When he sows to the spirit, he reaps life. So your time is either an opportunity to do good, to serve God, or, an or it's, it's a danger to sow to the sinful nature. Time is life. What is your attitude toward time and toward life? And what gets your time is really what gets your life. Whatever you give your time to, your life is going to be given to that. So do you live as if there's no tomorrow? Do you sow to the flesh, which is ultimately meaningless and empty? Or maybe you're like James when he describes, say, saying, tomorrow I'll do this and I'll do that, and you live as if you're a god and you're in control of everything. Do you live by chronos time so you can get it all, or do you live by kairos time, that there's more to life and there is significance to how you use your time? The Bible says things like make most of your time, redeem the time, honor God with your time, and in the appointed time, you'll reap a harvest. We all have chronos. We all have some years and months and days, but kairos is what determines the significance of that time. Someone once said, you can't, you can't kill time without injuring eternity. You reap what you sow. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of time, for the gift of life. But with this gift comes responsibility to use it according to your will. And I pray, Lord, that we'll have a biblical perspective on time. And I pray that you will be the determining factor in how we live our lives so that we would sow to the Spirit and live significant lives using our time in significant ways. Thank you so much. Again, for the gift of time. It's in Jesus we pray this. Amen.